This is Mike Taylor, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. A good morning, a good evening, or a good afternoon to you, however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Full and Focus podcast coming to you after our third, is it? I've lost track of so many wins. It's, it's going back to the 23 undefeated run again. I've lost track. We haven't done this in so long. I, I don't know where we are. I think it's three. I'm going to guess three. Let's just hope it is. Um, we've got a fun show for you tonight, as we always do, but it's even more fun because of our incredible winning streak that I've lost count of. Uh, I've got uh, two co-hosts with me, as it's traditional. Uh, we've got uh, Morgan Calton, who is uh, a regular on this podcast, but in extraordinary, extravagant, huge, Bjorn Rundstrom levels of huge news. We have a new signing to the Full and Focus group. It is Marty Ward, who shall be nicknamed McFly. We have worked this out to the precision. His nickname shall be McFly. Marty, a good evening to you. I'll let you have the first shout out. Evening to you. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, yeah, good evening. I can't believe I'm the first signing. Uh, how uh, much pressure is that? Well, it's the first signing in a while. We do keep uh, adding ourselves, but you're the first one. But we'll get to Morgan's uh, less uh, less extravagant introduction in a moment. But first, we have to say thank you. But first, we have to say thank you to a legend, and we say thank you to Mike Taylor for opening the show. Mike joined the Whites back in 1997 and made 235 appearances across three divisions, during which time he became a part of the exclusive club of players who were twice promoted as champions with 101 points. An achievement Fulham remains the only club to have accomplished, only team to have been champion 101 points. During his time as number one, he also cemented his place in the Northern Ireland eleven, gaining 88 caps of his country and was described by then-manager Kevin Keegan as the best taker of a cross I've ever seen. And I second that. So my opinion is pretty much on level with Kevin Keegan, so that's a very strong uh, endorsement from him. Very good. Wayne Hennessy's just a close second behind. But anyway, uh, Mike has always had a great relationship with Fulham supporters, and it is our absolute pleasure to have him introducing the show. Mike Taylor, we salute you. Right, chaps, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it, um, of what was a sort of nitty-gritty game, it must be said. One of the, I think we can all agree, one of the worst first halves of football we have seen in quite a long time. My only real memory, in fact, uh, just for everyone's member berries, if anyone remembers the Wigan game in 2005-2006 when we were booed off at half-time, I honestly wouldn't have blamed the crowd for doing the same. It was a terrible first half. Um, uh, let's start with the obvious. Let's start with the team lineups. And obviously it was great to have Tom Kenny back after the birth of his baby. And we should also take this moment to congratulate Andre Scherler on the birth of his baby. So well done to him. There's lots of lots of babies going around. It must be something in the water. Don't jump in the riverside. That's all I'm saying. Um, Morgan, just question, just question to you. When you saw the lineup, what was your sort of initial thought, initial reaction? Were you happy to have Tom Kenny back, or you're you're a new uh, dad? On did you think maybe he's come back a little bit too early? Maybe had more daddy time. What was your thought? Um, well, having actually, my one's almost two now, which has gone by uh, pretty damn quickly. But um, I mean, all oh, fairness, well, well done for him for actually sort of seeming fairly human when he uh, came onto the pitch. I mean, I remember the first two weeks after my daughter was born and uh, yeah, playing football was definitely not at the top of my agenda. Um, in fact, human interaction generally seemed a little bit scary. So, but it was great to have him back, you know, putting a, you know, first half aside, he put in a good stint and yeah, no, it's, it's nice, you know, that he was able to sort of uh, come straight back into the team, uh, especially um, with a win and on the back of uh, the Bournemouth game as well. Do you actually reckon that could be why we were so slow in the first half? Is you no, know, he's our main creator. He's our Tasman. You no, know, he still hadn't woken up from the latest five a.m. feeding time. So that's why we're so slow to get. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got no pair in in the house. I don't think he's going to be doing too many of the five a.m. feeds. So I think, don't think we need to worry too much about that. I think the you know the game was incredibly slow to start off. You know, Dennis Adoy's probably got a better memory of that first half than anyone else does. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, you're playing against Cardiff and they are a team that 
do not play interesting football and they are there to shut you down and sort of take their chance on the counter attack or with their you know ridiculously long throw-ins but you know it was never going to be that entertaining it was always going to be a sort of grind it out result um and yeah and that first half just you know made us think oh god are we actually going to score we're just going to sort of play out a really dull end of season nil nil uh but obviously cardiff needed the points so you kind of felt that in the second half they were going to have to open up a bit and uh thankfully they did Exactly. Uh, Morgan's more or less touched on every single point that I was going to raise, so I'm going to uh, see if Sorry. Marty can... No, no, it's fine. It's full fine. See if Marty can uh, add to any of those points. So, Marty, just general thoughts, line-up, what do you think? Kenny back, slow first half, just in general, just talk me talk me through what you saw and how you... Well, didn't... No, I, I doubt anyone could have enjoyed that first half, but just your your view on the whole thing. Oh, it was just Neil Warnock football all over, wasn't it, really? I mean, it's just, he just dulls the game out, moans about everything, you know. And as, you know, it was clearly stated just earlier, it's, it was kind of one of those ones you're like, oh, this is going to be one of these drawn-out nil-nils. Uh, fair place to Tom Kearney as well, you know, having a baby not that long ago, uh, playing a game. Obviously, I don't know what the rules are for paternity leave, but if it was a slow start, it was probably because he was finally catching up with that sleep, probably had that coffee zip after half time or something to help him through. But yeah, I mean, as I say, the team was fine. It was just, you know, Cardiff just making the game as dull as possible. It was a, a, for, a forgettable first half, to say the least. Yeah, I, forgettable first half, and you sort of led me on perfectly to my next point, which is uh, Alex Hillier in his uh, post-match reaction, which you can read on com cheap plug there, uh, made an excellent point that I just want to bring up. The first half of the game passed off with any real event aside from the Mitrovic chance and the Dennis Adoy injury, which I honestly don't really want to touch on all that much because, it's yes, he, he's all recovered, he's all smiley and joking, but it was still a bit of a scary moment. Anyone who anyone who was there who saw it, I was bang in line with what happened. I saw him knocked out for four for a good four or five seconds, so as much as we wish him a speedy recovery, he's obviously recovered well. I personally just don't want to talk too much, too much about it. It's not Bullard at Newcastle levels, but still a bit of a touchy subject. But anyway, he does, he points out that Cardiff's sole strategy in the first eighty minutes of the match was to sit deep, sacrifice possession, and then attempt to kick the ball near the throw uh, near the touchline in the hope we can see the throw in, and that bored and laughable. And I I sort of agree with him. Aaron Gunnison's long throw didn't really trouble us, so why did they carry it on? But I just want to just touch on Cardiff a little, little bit. Do you were you a bit surprised in how long it took them to sort of come out to come out of the blocks, given the situation they're in? Uh, did you not think that maybe this is a game where they should have attacked or you know been on the front foot, as it were? You know what they did in that last ten minutes. They should have been doing from the first ten minutes. Morgan, do you or do you think the Cardiff got it got it right in a, in a way? Well, they didn't get it right because they lost, but you can see what I'm getting at. I, th- I think they just have a style of football, you know, Martin is Marty called, called it uh, Warnock football. You know, they don't, they're not going to break from what they know. And so the way they played that first half, I think is exactly how they were meant to. But yeah, you would look at the situation that they're in and go, well, you should be coming out sort of trying to score, you know, two, three goals in the mm-hmm. first half. But that's just not how they were, you know, set up to do it. And so from a Warnock point of view, I reckon he would have been fairly happy with how that first half went. And obviously by the end of the second half, um, you know, that's just what it was. You know, they pushed hard for that equaliser, but they weren't going to get it because uh, Sergio Rico is an absolute man mountain. (laughs) So let's, uh, I think we should be sort of um, fairly happy with how we contained them uh, or, you know, how uh, we did in that first half, even though it was turgid. But I think... You know, sort of looking at how they played, uh, they got exactly what they deserved, really. Marty, so same question to you. What did you think of Cardiff's style of play? Do you think it was the right approach for them? Or do you think that maybe they, if they'd have you know, played the way they started, the, you know, the way they played that last 10 minutes for the whole 90 minutes, you reckon that they could have actually got, they actually could have got a result out of this? Um, I think some of it is also due to nerves. I mean, you know, they still got, a chance of possibly getting out of this. And I think it's trying to avoid that mistake, playing that style of Neil Warnock football. They know that Britain Cottage is not an easy place to go to and Fulham are, as it stands, on a good run. So I think it was a little bit of just testing the waters to see how it was, you know. And if they did play like they did in those last, you know, 15 minutes, I mean, if it wasn't for Rico, I mean, it would kind of be a completely different result. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, Rico's coming for a bit of stick, you know, for a long time. You know, we've had talks on this podcast whether or not we should go back to Fabry in goal. And you know, most of that is talk about, you know, looking ahead to next season. Sergio Rico's on loan, so he's not going to be here, sort of thing. But I think Sergio Rico absolutely deserves some sort of credit for the past two weeks specifically. Uh, Bournemouth away and this week, he pulled out some absolutely outstanding saves that yeah, if we were fighting for something, he'd be lauded, you know, a hero at this stage. But unfortunately, we're out of it, so there's not much to talk, not, not much uh, more we can say. But there is a lot we can say about our goal scorer, and that's Ryan Babble, who's probably been our best, if you were to put the Player of the Season awards into two halves, you know, pre-January transfer window, post-January transfer window, Ryan Babble steamrollers the player of the season for the second half of the year. Do you do you think that's our goal of the season, Marty, or are you sort of in line with some with someone else? Maybe Seri, maybe Sherla, maybe Chambers. You know, there's a whole bunch, but that's got to be a really that's a really up there sort of strike, isn't it? It, it really was. I mean, I, I know we didn't want to talk about the Dennis Adoy injury, but if Dennis Adoy didn't get injured, we wouldn't have Cyrus Christie who came on, who did a really good run there to put, cut the ball across. And then obviously Ryan Babble to putting on what I can I say is an exquisite finish. Uh, he's just been incredible. I, I got a lot of uh, Liverpool supporters that I know, and they all said that he'll work really hard. And he's just, I remember when we got him, a lot of people were like, well, look at the age. Has he really still got it? The guy's still got legs. He's still running around for every ball. He's, he's really impressed me. And if we do have an opportunity to possibly sign him on back a trucker full of money from Tony Khan's wallet, uh, we should do it. Yeah, absolutely. The goal was, it, it gets banded about a lot around on Twitter, but I do actually believe, you know, if it was one of the, if it was scored by Messi or Ronaldo, that we would, that we wouldn't hear the end of it. But because it's Ryan Babble, we'll forget it in a week or so. Not, not entirely, but it's, it's along that sort of vein. Morgan, do you give this goal of the season already, even though we have got two games, two games, two games to go? Or are you in line with, uh, with another one of our finest strikes of the year? I mean, yeah, obviously it was a brilliant strike. I mean, the way he hit it was just so sort of pure. And he came, you know, um, across the face of the goal. And you just look at that and go, that is the finish of a quality player. I still believe Schurler's to be uh, a better finish. I think the technique that he used against Burnley to uh, sort of control the ball and then finish in that sort of, you know, brilliant motion was, uh, you know, that was amazing. That was a, that was the best finish in my book for the season and I think possibly Ceres was a bit better than Babbles but I mean we're not talking you know that it was poorer it was just that Ceres goal was uh, outstanding as well but it's definitely you know, it's the top in the top three goals we've scored this season and yeah I think it's all credit to Babble. he's come in you know he came with a bit of, sort of, bit of stick everyone was thinking oh god we just haven't been able to sign anyone else so we've brought him in and he's done really well. And, you know, he had um, times uh, that when he scored against West Ham after a few minutes, uh, he'd miss a really simple one just before that. And you're thinking, oh, really? Is, this, is the, this is the guy we brought in to try and save us. And uh, he's, done, he's done himself credit. And I'm really happy to have, you know, had a chance to see him play. Uh, I don't think he will be here next season. I think he's definitely going to be pushing for that sort of Dutch slot in their team for Euro 2020. So he'll need to move to a top top team to be able to have any chance of uh, playing for them. So it's a shame, but I'm glad we actually, um, uh, you know, he's stayed professional during this, which is, uh, which is great, and not let his head drop despite the fact we're going down. So he obviously knows that he's pushing for a move in the summer. And uh, yeah, I think he deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. Just getting back to the game itself. Um, we've obviously talked as much as we can about, it wasn't an exciting game, no, my my new flashpoints. Um, but just as a just as sort of overall, say this wasn't a, a no, a no, a, no nothing mattered for us game because it didn't because it didn't matter for us. Unless you really want to argue that finishing above Cardiff in the league is all important for us, which we can mathematically still do. But if unless you're that way inclined, it really didn't matter for us. If this game had been sort of um, earlier on in the season, say, say this performance had come under Claudio Ranieri, who's he came in for a lot of stick. Would you have been happy with this result and the way and the way we played? But again, particularly the first half, I don't want to mention too much, but it really was that bad. Um, were, were you overall satisfied with this sort of performance? Say we got this sort of game, you know, 10, 15 times in the championship next year. Would you be happy with it or would you prefer us, you know, to, to maybe 
be a bit more attacking, not so not so sluggish. Marty, to you first. I think because we were sport with uh, Slovenia football um, and that attacking style, I think I would always prefer that. If we had to kind of dismiss the first half, I, I, you know, we seem a lot more organised all of a sudden. I mean, we kept three clean sheets. I mean, honestly, I mean, would you have actually thought that this season? For me, I, as I say, this is kind of probably going to allude to the, about the whole Scott Parker will he get the will he or won't he get the job? But I mean, at the moment, we're keeping a clean sheet and we're winning games. We're grinding them out. So I mean, if that's if that's so be it. If I skip points and go up the table, then so be it. But, I mean, I'm not going to be dissatisfied but as I said I just prefer the Slovenia kind of attacking football Yeah absolutely Morgan so same question same question to you would you be happy with this sort of performance at at a time when it mattered Yeah I mean as I said earlier it was against a team who played to shut you down and they did exactly that in the first half the fact we actually got the three points was the most important thing and you know it happened at um you know, any other time of the season when it wasn't a dead rubber. But I still would have been happy. I mean, we would have just gone, you know, actually, that was a crap first half, but at least we got the three points. And games like that happen. You know, the game against Brighton at home, you know, 2-0 down, possibly one of the worst halves of football I've seen in 24 years. And I think, you know, you just have to look at, in this case, you just have to look at results when you're playing these teams. Against some like the mid-table teams, you know, you look for performance and and result uh, in this case just get the result and you know sort of you're not going to be able to play proper football against a team like that because they will you know kick 50 shades of shit out of you um but this in this case uh, i would have just been happy to have got the three points regardless right and just one final point before we sort of wrap things and you know, put a bow as i've as i've been saying quite a lot i don't know why um put a bow on this uh, on the card of performance and it's sort of in light of what happened at Ellen Row yesterday with the whole Leeds, Aston Villa kicking the ball out when it's injured, so on and so forth. And obviously, we, what, most of the talk about that has been that the game didn't matter for Leeds because you know, they more or less can get promoted anyway, barring a, I think, 15-goal swing, whatever. So it didn't matter. But for Cardiff, the game did matter. So were you happy with Neil Warnock and Cardiff not giving us the ball back it was toward it was towards the end of the game, and uh, we kicked the ball out um, for an injury for a Cardiff player's injury, and basically they didn't do the, the whole sporting thing of throw it into one of our players, you know, their players, and kick it down the other end. Do you do you see that as classless from Neil Warnock and Cardiff? We know we know we've had issues with their style of play and Neil Warnock as a whole in the in the past, so this may just be an addition of. But did you have a problem with that, or do you think? He's really got to go for it. He needs to win at all costs. Let him just have this one sort of thing. Morgan, uh, I'll let you kick off. No, I, I don't care what sort of um, the situation is. Um, if a team kicks the kicks the ball out because one of your players is down injured, you give that ball back. You know, it shows a complete lack of class. I mean, I'm sure Warnock was more than happy to sort of take that, uh, use that tactic, and you know good that you know they lost even if it's just on that basis <laughs> you know we don't i remember a few years ago when west ham were up at everton and the ball came in for a cross and the everton keeper was down injured and decanio caught the ball even though they were drawing i think or losing and um it just you know there was that element of sporting uh you know sportsmanship because uh, a you know player was injured and regardless of what your current situation is on the pitch, you realise that and you go, right, I'm not going to score because of this. Um, but yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just, you know, one of those leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But at the end of the day, they lost the game. So, you know, not that bad. Fair enough. I just did some quick research while you're talking. And again, that whole Decanio Everton, which is sort of a perfect example that you mentioned, that that was in December of the season. And again, to an extent, that game didn't really matter in the circumstance of it. This game, I'm not defending what Cardiff did in any way, but I can sort of understand where they're coming from in the situation that they're in. Marty, do you have any? You no, know, do you have an opposing view to Morgan, or are you, or do you think that you know again this is you know, unsportsmanlike and unBritish in, if I can really say that, but an unBritish, unsportsmanlike sort of way? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's... You know, Neil Warnock would be having kittens if it would happen the other way around. You know, if one of his players was injured and he wanted, you know, to kick the, the ball off, 
you know, we've seen him have rants and stand there shaking his head at the referee, you know, the referees and having a go at, at refusing to, you know, shake hands. As long as there's everything's going Neil Warnock's way, he feels like he's, you know, done no wrong or anything like that. For me, I, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of like code of law for football. I mean, even in Sunday league teams, as much as that is not the greatest of football, you know, if a player since injured, Everyone, someone, you have to get the ball off. It's just, you know, fairness. And at the end of the day, Neil Warnock knew that. And uh, Neil Warnock was, was so desperate to get a win, any chance possible. And that's why he went for it. Okay, per- per- perfectly understandable. Um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, uh, people know me as a sort of defender, not defender of Cardiff, but understandable with what's going on with Cardiff, maybe because my granddad's a bluebird born and bred, <laughs> and I've never had an issue with the way the Cardiff played. And, to be brilliant, so I still don't. But yeah, I think in that situation, again, it, Marty put it perfectly. If it was the other way around, Warnock would have been, would have kicked off mega over it. So I think it's a bit you can't you can't really be too angry, but you shouldn't really be too messy over it either. But anyway, one last thing. Uh, I said that was the last thing, but I forgot one thing. Uh, we've got to give Scott Parker a rating. Uh, we still haven't come up with a pun, despite our many hours of brainstorming to try and do so. But it's still going to be a park rating out of ten. Uh, Morgan, give me a, give me the Scott Parker rating and follow it on with, do you think he's now officially got the job? Do you in the more you know has he got the Morgan Cal- uh, Calton seal of approval officially now? Because that's the all important seal in this. Um, I in this case, given the first half, how they dealt with it, and some yeah, slightly slightly dodgy defending in the second half, but, you know, either way, we kept a clean sheet, so great. Um, I'll give him six and a half in this this time. We did the job. It was unspectacular, but, you know, we still got our third win, third clean sheet in a row. So, you know, on that game, six and a half, I think overall, uh, I'll give him an eight. I mean, the guy came in with, you know, uh, a poison chalice of a job. Um, He knew what was going to happen. And he's shown himself uh, to be very professional about it. He seems to have the players on side. Um, they are playing well. They're going to the end of the season, you know, with their heads held high, just heads held high, despite having, you know, what has to be one of the worst seasons of football that we've uh, seen in a long time. Um, and I would say that he doesn't definitely have the job, um, but. I think he certainly earned himself a shot at it, and I would certainly prefer him over Steve Clark or potentially Neil Lennon. I think was voted about as well. So I think give him next season. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Uh, but given the quality of the other names floated about, uh, I would certainly give him his chance. Yeah, absolutely. You say he deserves a shot. In I, I, I put it as he's earned the right to be basically back, asked back for an interview. He's for a second stage interview. You know, it, it's not going to be a case of now nah, you've been you've been terrible. Off you go. We're looking somewhere else. He's at least earned the right to be when they start looking again. Second, you know, be back for a second interview. Uh, Marty, same question. Same question to you. I know an overall rating for the game and an overall rating for overall. I worded that poorly, but just go with it. Um, I'm going to give uh, Scott Parker a seven I think uh, the first half was kind of one of those games where I think the players needed to wake up I mean let's let's not you know kid ourselves it's been a season as you said that we could rather forget I mean it was our brief stay in the Premier League which a season was so much optimism and we're always going to be compared to that team that spent 100 million we already are with Norwich going up saying we're not going to do what Fulham did but Scott Parker has, you know, had a, a tough couple of games, obviously, after following Claudio, or Claudio, if you will. And then he seems to, all of a sudden, the last three games, we've, we've had three clean sheets, which, you know, was an issue we've had pretty much all season. We're winning games, we're grinding out results. Has he got the job? Well, we've had this situation before with caretaker managers, I believe, uh, Chris Coleman got uh, got it via caretaker manager. Um, I believe uh, a certain Kit Simons got it. I say Scott Parker's probably put his definitely put his foot in the door in regards to um, getting the job. But when you compare it to you know, as you say, Steve Clark and Neil Lennon, you're like anyone but them. But then if you've got someone like I'm hearing, obviously Rafa Benitez is being linked. If you said you had a choice between Scott Parker and Rafa Benitez. 
who would the fans want? But then there's the fact that uh, Benitez didn't get on well with Mitro, so that could cause a problem. As I say, if, if they do decide to give Scott Parker a chance, I mean, he's saying all the right things. I've heard him in the talk sport saying that he's been constantly talking with the owners, so not just Mr. Khan, Tony Khan as well, I'm guessing. So it's almost sounding like he's almost got the job, but we'll have to wait and see because nothing's been confirmed as of yet. Fair enough, absolutely. And I sort of wrap this up quickly. I give Scott Parker a seven out of seven out of ten. Again, I'm gonna hold the first half slightly against him. But just on an overall scale, I think we may have just we have discussed this definitely. I can't remember who was the first one to come up with it. It may have been J Mac. I'm not a hundred percent. Um, but this whole idea of a tw- of the twenty-five point mark, because I think when he came over when he came over, we were on sixteen. So if he got you know nine points, then it would be twenty-five points. And he's he's surpassed that twenty-five point mark. So and I was on favor that. So I'm you know firmly in the on the Scotty Parker bandwagon. You know, Scotty's at the wheel, all that jazz, so on and so forth. But yeah, I think he's done everything he needs to do. To, you know, possession nine tenths of the law. I can't see any reason why we can't, you know, he's obviously got the uh, support of the players. How many of those players are going to be sticking around in the championship? We'll, we'll, you know, we'll see eventually. But if we can keep a good core of it together and they believe in Scott Parker, then I may as well believe in Scott Parker. So absolutely, Scott Parker is my official candidate for the job. I'm taking Vincenzo Montella off that board and giving it back to Scotty Parker. So that's it. That wraps up our Cardiff City review. Uh, We've got two more things to go, and we're going to start with the quiz. Fulham. Right, welcome back. It is time for my favourite part of the show. It is the quiz. And for the technicalities and legalities of it, our co-hosts can score a maximum of 20 points, and you, the fine listeners at home, can score a maximum of 30 points. And we start off with round one, as always, because it's a quiz. Right, and this round one is called, is called Howlers because we are playing Wolves this weekend and Wolves are known for howling. Blame Danny, as always. Yes, it is funny, but for those who don't find it funny, blame Danny. He's the one who won it. He did actually want me to act to howl at the start of this to sort of demonstrate, but I don't have the dulcet tones of J-Mac. So if it was him, he probably would have because he's much more able to do it than I am. So I want you to tell me who made the following howlers in games that involve Fulham in the past. Now, Marty, this is your first quiz, so I shall give you the honour of choosing set one or set two. Set one, please. You will take set one. Okay. A question one. A big cloud hung over our playoff defeat to Reading in 2007 because of the award of a penalty that shouldn't have been given. Despite Thomas Callas handling the ball in the box, the initial foul was committed by Reading striker Jan Kermigat, who punched the ball into Callas' hand. Who was the referee who pointed to the spot? Now, I'm going to give a bit of a hint. It was a Premier League referee, because I know the Championship referees are sort of, you'd have probably forgotten their names by now. But it was a Premier League referee who gave the decision. So who was it? Uh, uh... Howard Webb, he's going for Howard Webb. That is incorrect, because I think he retired. Morgan, do you want to take a stab at it? I was going to say Lee Probert. Uh, You'd have been wrong as well, because it was Martin Atkinson. Martin Atkinson. Uh, Okay, question number two. In November 2005, Fulham beat Man City 2-1 at the Cottage. With City desperately trying to equalise deep into stoppage time, they sent everyone forward, including keeper David James. However, the City goalkeeper lost possession, giving Fulham a simple counter-attack on an empty net. Bowmortake played through Steve Abronk, who in turn squared it to the plate of another player who had an open goal at his mercy. To his credit, he got the shot on target, but uh, City defender Sunji High raced down and chased the ball and cleared it off the line. My question to you, Marty, is who missed the open goal? Uh, uh, the month camera. You're going for okay. You're going for Diamante camera. That is also yeah. incorrect, unfortunately. Morgan, do you want to take a stab? Uh, I'm gonna. I'll go. Uh, no, I've got no one. Uh, Sava. Sava, no, he'd, he'd long gone by that stage. It was Thomas yeah, Redzinski. Thomas Redzinski. Uh... Oh, <laughs> yeah, everyone. Wrote it. 
Question three. In 2007, Chris Kamara famously was commentating on an incident at Craven Cottage when we were attacking the Putney end at the time, because for some reason we switched ends. Uh, and we were on goal. Pep Boubadiop and David Healy were in a, in a bit of a mix. We thought the ball had crossed the line. I, in fact, I think replay show it did cross the line. Chris Kamara went all cock-a-hoop, as he tends to do, and is somewhat famous for it. My question is, who were our opponents that day? Marty, who were our opponents that day? Uh, was it Portsmouth? Was it Portsmouth? No, it was not. Morgan, take a stab. Oh, I know this one. It was uh, Middlesbrough. It was a Divas, bruh. Sadly, there is no points available. We don't pass them oh. over. I know. Oh. If we've, well, if we were, you still wouldn't be doing all that well. Anyway, okay. I'm really hungover. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, question number four. In our last visit to Loftus Road in 2017, we beat QPR 2-1 live in front of the Sky cameras. And the Sky is where Fulham's second half penalty ended up because that was during our time when... Well, it wasn't during our time, well... But that long stretch, because it spanned two seasons, where we, for some reason, couldn't score a penalty. I want to know is, we were holding a 1-0 lead at the time, but who skied the penalty over the bar? Marty, who scored the penalty? Who skied it over the bar, rather? Rui Font. He's going for Rui Font, and he is off the mark. Yes, it was indeed Rui Font. It took me a while to go through when I was doing so with Danny earlier. It took me a while to work out who it would have been because we went through a lot while we were trying to break that curse. But anyway, he's Good off thing. the mark. And we came back at the end of the season as well. Yeah, it did. Right. Okay. Two thousand. Question number five. In 2010-2011, which Fulham player equaled and still shares the record for most own goals scored by one player in a Premier League season? when he scored three. So basically, which Fulham player scored three own goals in one season? In 2010-2011? You're a new boy. I'll let you take a second guess. You're a new boy. You'll have a second guess. 10-11. 10-11. Most own goals. I can't even think for the life of me. Uh, no, I can't even think of anyone. Okay, right. Morgan, do you, do you wish to take a stab? Uh, I was going to say Aaron Hughes. You you would also be incorrect because it was John Pansil. John Pansil yeah. scored three own goals that year. Good effort. Okay, so after that round, Marty has one point out of a possible five. And now it's time for Morgan to have his go on set number two. Question number one. In September 2004, everyone remembers the Mark Holsey Arsenal penalty. Was it? Was it? Give give it to the linesman, so on and so forth. Pressure from the players. Everyone knows it. But I want to know, who were the two players on either side that were involved in that very disputed challenge? And you have to get both to get the point. So name that... the player. So the player who was tackled and the player who was doing the tackling. You need well, both I think the, the player doing the, the tackling was Sol Campbell. I think. Um, and I'd say the player was Sahar. Although I don't know if he was there still, actually, then. Oh, hang on. I think it was Campbell. Uh, I'll, I'll go Campbell. Yeah, I'll go Sahar. I can't remember if he was there or not. He was not there at the time. He'd gone in no. January. which, And I can tell you, it was Ashley Cole and Andy Cole. Uh, fair enough. Sorry, I should have thrown that over to Marty. My, my apologies. Marty, would you have known that anyway? No, I would have got that wrong. <laughs> Not that it matters because you can't take the point. So it doesn't matter. But anyway, question number two. At the start of the 2007-8 season, who made two costly mistakes in two consecutive home games with just four days in between them? So two costly mistakes in the space of four days, both of which resulted in goals being conceded. Uh, who made two mistakes? Two, I say Tony Warner. You have Tony Warner. And you'd be correct. There's a point there, Tony Warner. I remember hey. both of them. One of them, ironically, was in the game we previously discussed at the Middlesbrough game, or the Portsmouth game, according to Marty, depending on who you listen to. Right. Oh. Question. Sorry. Sorry, you knew. We rip on, we rip on the new game. We rip on. We, 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 love, we, we love you all the same. Right. Question number three. Before our Wembley triumph against Aston Villa last season, we beat them 2-0 at the Cottage in February, with Floyd Aite scoring from the halfway line. 
Who was the Aston Villa keeper that day who gave away possession and then found himself in no man's land by the corner flag? Who was the goalkeeper that day? Um, can I? I think I know his first name, but it's Johnston. I think it's Sam Johnston. And you are correct. That's a point there. That's very, very well done. I Thank applaud you. you for that. I didn't know that when we ran through it earlier. But okay, okay, moving on. Question number four. In September 2011, Martin Yole was left fuming, fuming, with one of his players as Fulham was the penalty shootout in the League Cup at Stamford Bridge. I remember it well. The tie ended nil-nil after 120 minutes, with Fulham missing a penalty in normal time, blowing a chance to win it against 10 men. Yo was unhappy because the spot, t- spot kick rather, wasn't taken by the designated penalty taker. Who missed the penalty? Morgan. Well, I can't blame uh, Kamara on this one. Um... No. no, way before his time. <laughs> uh, uh, da, 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 da. 2011. Mm. Mine's gone blank. Um... Uh, I'll go with Andy Johnson. No, it wouldn't have been him. No, no. no I'm gonna have to. T- I'm gonna have to take your first. Yeah, yeah no, I I'm give afraid. up. Andy Johnson. Uh, that is incorrect, Marty. Do you want to take it? Do you have a guess? Cool. Uh, under Martin Yell. Yeah. Brian Ruiz. Brian Ruiz. No, that is incorrect. It was Pytim Kasami. I was gonna say that. I just. I was just after I'd said my. Terrible guess. I was about to say, actually, was it Kasami? Yeah, uh... well, you thought of a you thought of a bold-headed, a shaven-headed Fulham player, so you're... Exactly. Someone out there. Okay. Question number five. First one, uh, final one for set one. For question, round one, right? Sorry. Question five. Final one for round one. Okay. When Fulham faced Roma at the cottage during the group stage of the Europa League, Belgian referee Paul Alaise... Alayet, yeah, gave Breda Hangland a straight red card after awarding Roma a penalty. It was soon realised that this was my mistaken identity and eventually the correct Fulham player was shown his marching orders. Who was the correct culprit? Stephen Kelly, wasn't it? It was indeed Stephen Kelly. Quite how you got mistaken identity, I do not know. <laughs> I cannot think of any... How? How? It's just baffling beyond belief. But anyway, what isn't baffling beyond belief is the scores. And at the end of round one, Morgan has a lead of three to one. As we move on to round two, which is the back and forth, and you get five guesses each. So round two. We have played 40 teams in the Premier League. I just realised how much of a game show host I really do sound. Maybe there's a career in it for me. But we have played 40 teams in the Premier League and have gained at least one point off of all of them. But what I want you to do is name the 10 clubs we have taken the least Premier League points off during our 14 seasons. Okay, everyone understand? Uh, Marty, again, you shall get the first stab at it. So, of all the teams we played, who do we take the least amount of points off? Uh, the least? Uh, I think we've only beaten Chelsea once, haven't we? You're going with Chelsea. That is not on the list. That's not in the top uh, or bottom 10, depending on how you see it. A list of teams I have in front of me. Morgan, to you. I'm going to say Cardiff. And you would be correct. We've played them four times, and that was our first time we got points off them. We now have three points against Cardiff City. So that's them off the list. Marty, back to you. Uh, Arsenal? Arsenal is not on the list. Morgan, to you. Um, let's say uh, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are unfortunately not on the list. We've played them six times and we've gained seven points off them. So, no, Morgan, they are not on the list. Marty, to you, your third guess. Um, I'm going to say. Manchester United. Manchester United are not on the list, unfortunately. Morgan, to you, your third guess. Uh, Hull City. Hull City are indeed on the list. We played them six times and we gained a total of four points. Okay, Marty, your penultimate, your penultimate guess. I Can we just say, Marty did actually say before he came on that it's easy when you're doing it at home 
but when you do it and it is the pressure does get to you i th- i feel our listeners should actually come on and do this quiz just to feel because i don't want to feel bad for marty here but it, it when you do the quiz it you do actually feel the pressure despite the fact there's no real prizes on offer so i want to give him some level of credit here marty take a guess <laughs> i'm gonna go the last one is that uh, liverpool I was just going for any of the top six because I just assumed that we didn't get that many points off them. It, it's a bold strategy. Unfortunately, it's not paying off for you because that is not on the list, unfortunately. Morgan, <laughs> your penultimate. Uh, I'm going I'm going with the flip side. I'm trying to think of teams we haven't played that much. So I'm going to go with um, Swansea City. Swansea City are indeed on the list. We played them six times and we gained a grand total of three points. Marty, your last one. You need this to be to be in with a chance when we get to the final round. So come on, think big, or think little yeah. rather. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, as I'm going to do the same as what he did. Teams we haven't played as much. Uh, I'm going to say Watford. Watford are indeed on the list. You finally off the mark in this round because we have played them four times and taken a and taken a grand total of three points. So Morgan, last guess. Uh, who have we not played that? Who has been? I'm trying to remember if they were. No, they weren't. Then um, I will say Huddersfield. Huddersfield are indeed on the list. We've played them uh, twice and we've gained a grand total of three points off them. So at the end of that round, I'll just run through the list. Um, our least amount of points, we've played them twice and we gained a grand total of one point. It was Ipswich Town because we only played them twice that one year, 2001, 2002. Uh, coming in second was Watford, who we played four times and got three points. Quincy, those are the only teams we have never beaten in the Premier League. Ipswich and Watford, un- uh, unbeaten. Unlosing against whatever. Do you know the phrase I'm trying to say? But anyway, unwinning. Uh, I think is the one you're after. Unwinning. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so coming in third or joined third because there's a lot of three pointers here. Swansea City. We as uh, played them six times. We got three points. Sheffield United. We played twice and got three points. Uh, Bournemouth. We played twice and got three points. Famously last week. Huddersfield played twice, three points. Cardiff City four times, three points. Hull City. We played them six times. And got four points off them, which is pretty poor in my in my view. Uh, Brighton, we have played twice and got four points. And Blackpool, we played twice and got four points. And just close enough, but not quite enough to make the top ten. Derby County, we played four times and got six. Uh, Crystal Palace, we played six times and got seven points. Burnley, we played four times and got seven and Reading, we've played six and got seven. Okay, so there's the list. So at the end of round two, we have Morgan on seven and Marty on two. As we go to the final round, my favourite of the round is guess the player. So I'm sure everyone knows the rules by now, but just in case, if you get, we're going to give you, a, I'm going to give you a list of stats about a player. And if you get it within the first two guesses, uh, two clues rather, you get five points. Three and four, guess three and four, you get four points. Five and six, three points, so on and so forth. Okay, so Marty, you need to think big in this. You may have to gamble. No pressure. No pressure, dude. (laughs) Okay. So, fact number one. This player is five foot, 11 inches tall. Fact number two. He made 78 appearances in all competitions. You take a pause, Marty. If you want to take a stab, you've got to have this to draw. You want to take a stab off those two very, very obscure facts. <laughs> really I mean, five foot eleven. There aren't that many players of that uh, that height, surely. Oh. Uh, no, uh, no, I can't think of anyone. No, he loses. Okay, he forfeits the game, but we shall carry on to see if he can salvage some pride. Okay. Fact number three, he played in each and every one of our first 14 matches in Europe. Okay. Fact number four, despite scoring 19 goals, he never scored more than once in a game for Fulham. So he never bagged a brace, never bagged a hat-trick. They always came in ones. Okay. Fact number five, he wore the number seven 
and the number nine shirts when he was at Fulham. Andy, I'll have a go. Andy Johnson. Oh, hang on, hang on. We got we got guesses. We got guesses flying in. Marty, who was yours? I, I went with uh, Andy Johnson. Marty is going for Andy Johnson, and I think Morgan was writing out with something now, wasn't he? Yeah, I was thinking more of the earlier European games, so I was going to go with Steve Marley. He is going for Steve Marley. Will he be right? Let us find out as we move on. I don't have to be so quick now because everyone's taking their guesses, but for you, the listeners at home, we shall take it in such a kind way. He scored the winner. This is fact number six. He scored the winner in the quarterfinals against West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns to take us into our most recent FA Cup semi-final in 2002. So he scored the winner in the FA Cup quarterfinals away at West Brom in 2002. Okay, question fact number seven. He scored Fulham's first ever European away goal to FC Hacker. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right, or Hacker, in the Intertoto Cup. We won it one time. Fact number eight. <laughs> Was he a striker or was he a winger? I don't know quite why that's a question, but Danny's written it that way, so all power to him. Fact number nine, he has 23 caps and six goals for France. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Andy Johnson. Not Andy Johnson. No. And fact number 10, he was at one time the club's record signing when we bought him for 11.5 million. It was a waste of money, in my view. If you haven't got it right now, it was indeed Steve Marley. So Morgan gets the points there. He got a fact number three, so he gets three points. So he rounds off with a total of 10 points from the quiz. And Marty Ward scores a lowly two points from his first quiz. Uh, commiserations <laughs> to you, Marty. <laughs> Thanks. And congratulations to Morgan on winning the quiz. Your prize for this week. Is Steve Marley? We've got him for hey. free. We've got him on a much cheaper than we did than we did last time round. So he will be around to your house as your personal butler for just one week. Just one week as your personal. Yeah, butler. I'm not going to trust him with my kid. Not in that way, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was that no, use no, as actually, a footballer. No accusations of anything of any kind of any But let's if you uh, you wouldn't want him around anything precious, would you? Because he broke quite no. a lot. So keep him away from the fine china. That's all I'm saying. I imagine someone like you has plenty of fine china. It's my, house of fine is, china. my house is just made of china. Oh, yes, indeed. Or made right. in china. <laughs> Very good. Right. Thank so you. now that's the quiz over, we've got one more thing to go for. And let's see if we can make it four in a row as we make it our preview for the Wolves game. Fulham. And we're back. And as I said, we're going for four wins on the spin. Can anyone? I don't think we've ever done four wins on the spin in the Premier League. I'm sure someone's going to hang on. Great escape season has got to count back. Portsmouth, Birmingham, Man City. No, I think it was Liverpool. Someone, I'm sure someone on Twitter will correct me because that's the way Twitter is. But I don't think we've ever won four games on the bounce in the Premier League. Let's see if we can do it this week as we go to Wolves. Morgan, how do you see this game shaping up? Again, in much a similar way to as it was last week, we've got nothing really, to play for. Wolves are fighting for their lives for that seventh place, which I personally think they're going to get. But do you think it's going to be more or less the same sort of outlook? You know, a bit of a nervy start from from our opposition and then maybe developing into something more during the game? Or do you think that this good run of form for us is going to continue and we can keep Wolves at bay? Now, how do you see this game? You know, any changes to the lineup? anything? Just talk me through how you see the game going. I think he'll probably go with the same lineup, unless I think maybe a doy if he's on um, concussion protocol or whatever they call it, um, then out for the rest of the season. So just a simple sort of switch out between uh, Christie and a doy. Wolves are, I would say, the best side we would have played in this four game run. Um, I think they will score. I think, you know, three clean sheets on the, in a row is fantastic. But I think Wolves are definitely they're fighting, whereas all the other teams, well, actually, Cardiff supposedly fighting as well, but you wouldn't know about it. The other sort of teams, they're sort of a bit more on their sort of on their summer holidays at this point. So, with that in mind, I think we will score. I think Wolves will score, and I'm going to go with a one-all draw on this one, just because I don't want to predict us to lose, even though I think Wolves are a pretty decent team. Um, they've done incredibly well, and sort of you know. You know, big kudos to Nuno Santo, or whatever his Spiriso Santo, whatever his name is, um, on what he's done up there. You know, obviously they'd spent a decent amount of money, but you know, as we've shown this season, spending money isn't all it's cracked up to be. So I think it will be a bigger game. I think it'll be far more open than we saw at the weekend. 
Um, and yeah, I think it'll be a good one. It'll be a good end of season match. But uh, I don't think our winning run will continue. It's been amazing seeing us just finish the season as we have been. It's a bit like sort of the end of a Mo Farah long distance race when he sort of surges past all the other teams at the end. Uh, unfortunately, all the other teams lapped us about five times beforehand, so it doesn't really count. But yeah, I think we'll continue our scoring run, but I think it will uh, end up in a draw. Okay, so Morgan is going for a draw. Marty, do you agree with Morgan or do you see us maybe coming away with a win or, or in my view, more likely a defeat? Uh, yeah, I think I pretty much agree with uh, what he said as well. I think it, this is the, definitely the harder game. I mean, I think it's it's not difficult to say that Wolves are playing excellent at the moment. They've, they've got a very good quality team. They did last season uh, in the championship. They've added to that. Uh, yeah, no, they've done a, a great job. I'm, I'm amazed that they lost the uh, semi-final, but that was to a quality goal by Watford, obviously, to equalise and then go on to win it. I think they want to secure the seventh. Uh, I believe it's their last game as well for because I feel their next game is away. So they definitely want to finish their season, uh, you know, with a win at home. It's going to be tough for us. I mean, the way we're playing at the moment and I'm a bit more short at the back and playing sort of with a bit of a fight, we, if we're lucky to take a draw. But I'm kind of looking at this game at the moment that this might be a bridge too far for Scott Parker to get uh, carrying on. He's an uh, unbeaten run of four games. Well, you know, they've got to play Liverpool in the last game as well. So they're going to have to win this game if they're going to have a chance of getting seventh. Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. Ex- ex- excellent point around you. I, you know, I, as you more alluded to, they need to win this game if they're going to keep their chance for seventh. And I think it's, you know, as much as we could do well against Cardiff, who aren't playing particularly well at the moment, it's a different kettle of fish to be, you know, to hold back at least a Wolves side who are in you are doing crabby and will absolutely deserve seventh place if they get it. I think they've been one of the you know, stories, one of the uh, sort of underlying stories of the season. Just what a great job they've done. And I personally think if he comes to seven, I think, uh, you know, Santo is nailed on for manager of the year. Personally, I know we, we talked a lot on the much um, wanted to be in full and focus WhatsApp group. Um, and J Mac was insisting that if Cardiff stayed up, that it should go to Neil Warnock for the job he's done. That's not going to happen by the looks of it. Going to be hard to do so. By default, I think it now goes to Nuno Santo. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I just think they don't have too much for us personally. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Man City, you know, away levels of, you know, absolute dominance by them. But I think they'll just manage to sneak it, probably go for a 2 1 victory for Wolves. But as always, I hope I'm, I hope I am wrong. And that is it for this week's edition of the Fulham Focus podcast. I'd like to thank. Uh, my co-host for tonight, Morgan, and making his debut, a fine debut, uh, not in the quiz, but fine debut in other sectors, Marty Ward. We look forward to having him on uh, many further episodes coming down the road, maybe contributing to our fabulous website, which is fullandfocus.com, where you can find great blogs, articles, Q&As. I think there's a few more videos coming up during the summer. I just want to tease that. There's more videos coming up in the summer. Um, so maybe... Uh, you'll want to check out some of them. I hope you do. Uh, All that's left for us to say is, once again, thank you very much for joining us and come on, you whites. <laughs> <laughs>